0: actually resting at home. He had a, a minor um, procedure yesterday, and so he was still a little bit loopy last night and asked if he could, you know, uh, well, he asked if I, would, if I would do it, and so I was happy to happy to lead the, our, our time in Matthew this morning, and he'll be back with you uh, tomorrow, but if you are just tuning in, if, if this is, if you haven't been in a while, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18 today, so if you want to go ahead and turn there with me, um, you can do that, and, and as we're as we're turning there, um, just want to welcome you once again. As you're grabbing your coffee, feel free to to sip up, um, grab your Bibles, and I want to make mention of a couple of quick announcements before we jump into God's Word this morning. One is, um, if you didn't hear about this Second Harvest, they are at our Four Oaks Center today from ten to one. Um, we'll have some friendly faces from Four Oaks who will be distributing groceries and canned goods, and so if you or someone else uh, is in need of that, just hop on over there to sometime between 10 and 1 today. We'd love to serve you, care for you, um, or or your neighbors, and um, just to be able to help make ends meet during this challenging time that we have. And so, uh, yeah, that's 10 to 1 today, and then also, uh, if you aren't aware of this we are going to be regathering in person starting this sunday and so our staff has been working really hard to be able to put things together uh, making sure that we comply with the cdc guidelines and so if you aren't aware of this make sure to go to 4 slash regathering for all the goods all the information about what what this sunday is going to look like and if you plan to come uh, you will need to reserve your seats and so there's a link on that page to the 9am and to the 11am service and, uh, and I think we've got about half of our seats reserved thus far in both services so we're we're going to have a great time together if obvious of course if you can't make it um, for medical reasons or, or any other kind of reasons that's not a problem at all. You can continue to live stream our services like we have before. And speaking of live stream it has been such a gift to be able to live stream together these devotion times with Pastor Paul. Um, even as he's away today, if you think about it, feel free to send him a quick message, just telling him thank you for, for leading us. Uh, I've been so grateful myself, you know, every morning being with Pastor Paul, studying in the book of Acts and now the book of Matthew, it's been such a gift to my soul. And I know it has been to you as well. I've heard from many of you. And so make sure you tell Pastor Paul thank you. I know he would greatly appreciate it. And so now as we move into Matthew chapter 18, uh, the disciples are, are wrestling with a really important question. Um, it's something that's been, we'll actually see this a couple of times in Matthew. They're going to ask the same question. And it's not just a question that's common among the disciples. It's really a question that's common to all of us. And it is, who is the greatest? And we could fill in the blank with a lot of different types of titles of who is the greatest, who is the goat, right? Who is the greatest of all time? Um, if you watch The Last Dance, uh, like I have with Michael Jordan. I mean, of course, the greatest basketball player. Um, you could also say, well, who is the greatest president? So many of you would probably say Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or someone like that. Um, who is the greatest preacher? Many people would say Charles Spurgeon. But here, um, right on the heels of Jesus telling his disciples that he is going to die and rise from the dead, Uh, they are not thinking about Jesus, they're thinking about themselves. And they ask the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And as always, right, Jesus flips uh, everything on its head and he reveals to us that who we might expect to be the greatest in the kingdom of God is not who Jesus says. And so we're going to look at four characteristics Uh, of what it's like. This this first question in verse one is going to be answered really uh, through a number of different illustrations and stories uh, that Jesus provides to us. And so we're going to look at four key characteristics of who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. But before we do that, let me go ahead and just pray for us. And so God, we just want to come to you this morning. I want to ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open up our minds to be able to see all that you would have for us in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name amen all right so the disciples are coming to jesus um mark uh also records this and so you actually Luke too so if you want to check out some additional details you can go there but uh the question that the disciples ask is who is the greatest in the kingdom of god starting in verse 1 of chapter 18 and this is jesus's answer he says in calling to him a child he put him in the midst of them and said truly i say to you Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now in this time, children were seen almost like property. They weren't seen as important. Uh, They were just seen as insignificant. They didn't have any social standing. Uh, they were just sort of innocent bystanders, and they didn't have any, of course, any sort of power or authority or anything like that. And so for Jesus to pull a child in and to say, hey, I want you to be like this child if you want to be great in my kingdom. I mean, this would have just baffled the disciples. And yet, that is exactly what Jesus does. And as a former children's pastor, <laughs> I love this, right? Right. Um, what an amazing display of of uh, just flipping things upside down for Paul, but I mean, excuse me, for um, for Jesus. But why, you know, why would Jesus say this? And he explains it very quickly. He says, "Whoever humbles himself like this child will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven." And so Jesus is drawing upon this characteristic of humility in the kingdom of God. And of course, the disciples don't really yet understand who Jesus is, that he is the most humble person who walked the earth. They're still not grabbing hold of that. And so Jesus, instead of pointing to himself as who is the greatest, instead he pulls a child in. And if we think about who we were as children, or if you have children, or if you relate to children, who they are as children, um, and we think about humility, what, what does that look like? What is, what is a child? How, how is a child so humble? Well, think about it. Like, it's, it's not in our nature to make ourselves low, to humble ourselves. But when you think about a child, a little child isn't concerned about status, right? A little child doesn't have to be the center of attention all the time. Uh, the little child doesn't have to have an intimidating presence. A little child just comes. You know, Jesus calls this child and, and the child comes to Jesus and just trusts, right? I'm completely dependent on Jesus, completely dependent upon their parents, just coming with an openness, an open handedness to say, yeah, I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow. I don't have everything figured out. That's what a child is like. And that's what Jesus says we are to be like. We are to be humble like children to come to him completely open-handed saying, whatever you have, God, that's what I want. I just want to come to you. I want to enjoy you. I want to spend time with you. I don't want to make it about me. I don't want to make it about my reputation. I want to make it about you and about your reputation. And so what a what a stark, you know, kind of waking up experience for the disciples who are thinking, oh, you know, you've got to be great. You've got to be huge. You've got to have a big personality. and..." We see that throughout our world all the time, don't we? That's the type of kingdom that we are demonst- we see all the time. And yet Jesus says, no, that's not the kind- type of kingdom that I am building. I am building a kingdom of little ones, of people who are humble, who make much of others rather than themselves. And if you're wanting to read a little more about humility, a couple of great books I would encourage you to check out. One is The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, a very short little booklet by Tim Keller. Um, it's excellent, and he, he expounds upon a quote from C.S. Lewis that says, um, those who are humble uh, don't think more of themselves or less than themselves, but think of themselves less. And, uh, uh, and, and so he expounds upon that quote. There's another great book um, by Andrew Murray called Humility, and, and both of those would be great studies for you. Uh, would encourage you to check that out. And even just for us to right now, like, God, would you just help me to be humble today? Would you help me to be dependent upon you? Would you help me to make it not about me, but about you and your kingdom? So humility, uh, humble like a child, that's who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Second, Jesus goes on and he talks about compassion for the little ones. He goes on and he says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. And a little bit later, he says, "See that you do not despise one of these little ones." And he goes on and he tells this story about a about a shepherd um, who who goes after the one uh, when he has a hundred sheep. He goes after that one lost sheep, seeking after that little one and jesus just says hey the the humble are not only who we're to be like but also who we are to pursue we're to pursue those who are in need pursue those who are less than in considered um, uh, less than in our in our in our society Um, they're the losers as we have compassion upon them. Um, Charles Spurgeon, he says this, I love this quote. He says, oh, how we ought to love sinners since Jesus loved us and died for us while we were yet sinners. We must care for drunkards while they still pass the round the cup. Swears, even while we hear them swear, we must not wait till we see some better thing in them, but feel an intense interest for them as What they are straying and lost and so another attribute of the kingdom of God is to have compassion for those who are lost for those who are little for those who are low and to say I want to pursue you I want to show love I want to show kindness to you and he starts out with of course children and saying those are who we should minister to I remember thinking about John MacArthur. heard a heard a message by him, and he said, "You know, the greatest evangelistic strategy in the church today is our children's ministry." And I love that um, that our children's ministry is investing in the next generation, those who are considered not important, and say, "No, you are important. I want to point you to Jesus. I want want to show you who He is. I want to love you like He loves you." And so um, alongside of humility comes this compassion for the little ones to not despise them, but instead to search after them, to teach them, to love them the way that Jesus did even when he welcomed this child into his presence and says, whenever you receive someone like this, you receive me. So we've got humility like a child. We've got compassion like a person who's seeking after lost sheep. And then third, we have holiness or purity. Um, Jesus talks about, uh, he uses a couple of stark illustrations here. One is he says, hey, you know, if you are tempted to sin, cut off whatever that body part is that would tempt you to sin. He says, be serious about temptation. Don't let sin that's crouching at the door seek to destroy you. Instead, destroy it. Pursue, Pursue holiness. Pursue righteousness. Pursue integrity, pursue purity. And so he says, be serious about your sin. As as Paul says, you know, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Um, And so he says, begin with self-discipline. Begin with disciplining yourself. There's a great um, little handbook on discipline called, uh, I think it's called The Handbook of Church Discipline by Jay Adams, and he talks about Um, In Matthew 18, there's there's a beginning with self-discipline, that we are to correct ourselves whenever we're not following after the Lord. And then he expounds upon a little bit later that we see here in Matthew 18, where it says, and if you see someone else sinning, go after them. And if they're not doing well, then maybe you bring one or two other people alongside of them. And if they're still not doing well, then you maybe bring it to the church leadership um, in order to make sure that um, this brother or this sister who's walking in sin would repent, would change, would turn. And we can obviously um, make church discipline, we can make discipline all about gossip and all about slander and, and uh, retribution, and that's not what Jesus has in mind here. Instead, his idea of pursuing purity, um, and especially if someone is not walking with Christ, they're not doing well, They're living in unrepentant sin and we are to love them. And the goal is restoration, not retribution. The goal is grace, not gossip. And if you want um, a little bit more information about the type of attitude that we are to have towards our brothers and sisters who are walking in sin, you can turn over to Galatians 6 where it says that if there's anyone caught in sin, we who are... Um, to be be gentle, we're to be gentle towards them and to restore them. Uh, It says, we who are spiritual are to seek to restore them, meaning we're to walk in the spirit. Uh, And it says, be careful, keep guard of your own heart, lest you too be tempted, and lest you too be tempted towards, particularly to pride, like, oh, I've got it all figured together, I'm good. Um, And instead he says, no, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so... Um, I just want to, you know, the beautiful thing about um, discipline, both self-discipline as well as others coming alongside of us to encourage us is it's always meant for the purpose of restoration and love and to help us to grow. And I've been so grateful, and I'm sure you have too, for those who have loved us well, served us well, cared for us well, and reminded us of what it means to truly follow after Jesus to show Um, to show righteousness and holiness in our lives. And when we're struggling to have someone to come alongside of us and to pray for us and to help us and to restore us back to Christ. Uh, And so that's number three, purity. And then last but not least, um, just very quickly, forgiveness. Forgiveness is another attribute of uh, those who are great in the kingdom of God and um, if you're not familiar with this parable, it's a beautiful parable of the unmerciful servant who's been forgiven this huge debt. Um, many people today think it's some somewhere in the, some. It ranges between 12 million and 1 billion dollars. I don't know exactly uh, what it might be in today's uh, you know today's standards, but of course, whatever it is, it's a lot. And we see this amazing um, this amazing king who forgives. And then we see the servant not willing to forgive others. And Jesus draws from that and says, Do you not understand what is great in the kingdom of God is forgiveness? That you have been forgiven much. And so you are called to forgive those around you as well. And it's interesting here, you know, Peter asked the question: He says, Hey, how much are you to forgive? Um, He he suggests seven times. The rabbis in that day would would suggest just three. Uh, And after that, no more having to do with them. And Jesus says, no, you have no idea. Seven times seven, or some some versions say 70 times seven. But the point is, is that Jesus says, as many times as is necessary, because that's who I am for you. And so if you're struggling in forgiveness, um, Jesus says, look to me, see how much I've forgiven you. And in turn, you are called to forgive those around you Uh, so much more good stuff i wish we had more time um but uh, i just want to encourage you um as you're as you're meditating on this passage today say god would you help me to be forgiving would you help me to be pure Uh, would you help me to show compassion for those who are lost and for the little ones and would you help me to be like a child to be humble like a child and as you're thinking about these things remember that the characteristics in the kingdom of God are also the characteristics of the king and so when we think about who God is God is the most forgiving person on <laughs> in the entire universe when we think about God God is the most not only forgiving but also the most pure the most holy the most righteous Not only that, but God is the most compassionate towards those who are lost and who are little. And he will search after that one lost sheep. And last but not least, God is the most humble person. Jesus, God the Son, humbled himself and made himself obedient to the point of death on a cross. He relinquished his rights for the sake of serving others. And we are called to do the same. So let me go ahead and pray for us. Uh, And let's just ask that God would help us to demonstrate these characteristics of the kingdom of God today, um, as well as all of our days. God, we just want to come to you. Um, We want to thank you for the fact that you are the king, that you are making all things new, that you are reestablishing the former kingdom in the Garden of Eden, where all of these attributes were perfect Um, perfectly demonstrated and now we do not perfectly demonstrate them but we thank you that you came Jesus to demonstrate these attributes to you and to enable us to be like you and we thank you Holy Spirit that you reside in our hearts and so we don't have to just muster up enough strength on our own to be humble or to be holy or to be forgiving or to have compassion, no, Holy Spirit, you enable us to show these attributes. You enable us to be like Jesus. And so help us today to behold Jesus and then to become more like him from one degree of glory to the next, we pray in his name. Amen. All right. Appreciate you, Pastor Paul. will be back with you tomorrow.